We're reading this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Biblical scholars tell us that on average, the early churches that Paul's writing to and that are gathering as followers of Christ had on average 18 people. That doesn't seem like too many people to get along with, and yet it's clear from the letters we have from Paul and others that it was, in fact, a problem. When we read from these letters from Paul and others, it is clear that getting along was a challenge. For the early church Paul the author of Ephesians or one of his disciples perhaps who wrote this letter is giving advice to these early Christians about how they can get along we heard it early there in the passage that he's exhorting them encouraging them to lead a life worthy of the calling to which they were called using all humility and genuineness with patience bearing with one another in love, working on maintaining this unity in the Spirit toward a bond of peace. Now that's great advice for those of us in the church, but it's really great advice for anybody who's trying to get along with other people. If we approached every relationship with humility and genuineness and patience, because we knew that we were bearing one another up with love. Remember, that's agape, wanting the good to come to the other person, striving to remain unified in that relationship or in the family or in the church. That would help, wouldn't it? 
when we find ourselves in conflict, usually we're not exhibiting any of these characteristics. Yet when things are going well, we often do find all of these characteristics that this letter is teaching us to embody as followers of Christ. That's sort of the human side in terms of what we can do. But this letter says there's more going on here than just what humans are doing with each other, that God is active and alive and at work as well. This letter wants us to remember who we are as Christians. For Christians, we're not on a solo journey. We're not doing this alone. We're not left to our own devices, so to speak. God is at work for good in our lives. This is the way it says it in verse 7 in the passage we just read. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And then it goes on later in the reading to talk about what kind of gifts we might be given. But what I want us to realize is that when you become a follower of Christ, you move into the realm of gift givers. God the Father is a gift giver. Jesus Christ is a gift giver. The Holy Spirit is a gift giver. God is at work and all those manifestations to give us gifts to pour grace out upon us. Unmerited favor, God's great love being offered to us in every minute of every day. Becoming a part of the body of Christ connects you with the Spirit, offers you a calling, and gives you gifts to fulfill your calling and purpose in life it tells us why later in the reading when we get down to verse 12 it says we're given gifts to equip the saints that's just all the people in the church so to equip those of us here for the work of ministry for building up the body of christ and then later in the passage in Verse 15, it tells us how that is supposed to work, and it says, By speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. So we're supposed to be dealing with one another, all those characteristics already listed, and then only speaking to one another out of love, so that all we're doing is motivated by love. I think what this passage is telling us, kind of calling us to, is that we're being called to grow up into Christ, to strive, to believe, to want to be more like Christ in all that we say and do. It says we're to grow into the full measure of Christ, to the full stature. Are you growing in Christ? Are you thinking about that as you go through your daily lives or as you plan your week or your month or plan your life? Are you thinking about how can I be more like Christ? How can I put myself in a position to hear God's voice, to follow God's guidance, to follow the path of discipleship as I've come to know it in Jesus Christ? This passage is inviting us or calling us to have those kinds of thoughts, to be thinking about how am I embodying this love of Christ that I've come to know? 
How can I put goodwill into action in my daily activities and interactions with other people in all kinds of places? Do you remember the story of the boys' soccer team that got stranded in a cave? Happened back in 2018 in Thailand. Remember that story? It was a soccer team, and after a game or a practice one day, 12 boys and one of the assistant coaches decided to all go for a hike. There was a cave nearby that lots of people hiked in, and they hiked over, dropped their stuff at the entrance of the cave, and then hiked down into the cave. It was a couple of weeks before the monsoon rains usually started in that northern part of Thailand, but the rains came early. And all of a sudden there was a deluge and water was pouring into the cave. And before you know it, the boys didn't come home that night. And as parents started to call and check with other coaches, Nobody was sure what had happened. One of the other coaches went out searching for them in the rain, found their stuff at the entrance to the cave, and they guessed they had all gone in the cave. Then the rains had come rushing in, and they could not get out. They called in emergency workers to begin to look for the boys. They searched all the dry land they could get to, no sign of them. Finally, they called in scuba divers to go into the murky dark waters and swim deeper into the cave to see if they might find them. They searched for two weeks. Finally, two divers who had been a part of this popped up out of some water, and there was the whole group on a little rock ledge above the water. It was good news that they found them. The bad news was there was no way to get them out. There was no safe passage. These guys had gotten there because they were experienced divers and had all the equipment. Obviously, these kids and their coach had none of that. And so lots of people started to get involved to try to figure out how do we get these kids out of this cave. The monsoon rains are still pouring down. Finally, they have divers taking food and medicine underwater to them as they try to figure this out. Thousands of people become mobilized as they try to figure out how can they get to these kids and get them out because the rains are continuing, the water levels are rising, so a whole operation has started to pump water out of the cave while the rains are pumping water into the cave. Finally, it was determined that the best way to extricate these kids from this situation was to sedate each one of them, connect them to an experienced diver, put on mask and breathing apparatus, and pull them under the water to safe passage. It was determined that it would take five to six hours per child to get them through all of the water back to dry land. But then, because they had hiked two and a half miles into the cave, they still had to put together a human chain where they could put these sedated boys on stretchers and move them hand to hand, and some points hooking them to zip lines, carrying them over this muddy terrain, wet rocks uphill to try to finally get them out of the cave to safety. The rains stop for a few days, 
And they decided now was the time to go for the rescue. By then, they had thousands of people assembled to be part of this rescue operation, and they began to bring them out one at a time, one after another. Almost miraculously, every boy and the coach were all brought out safe. After they got them out of all the water area and began to hand them up one person to another, they had a human chain of 200 people passing these kids and their coach hand to hand to safety. One of the commentators who was watching all of this asked this question. Which of the 200 sets of hands saved these children? Of course, his point was it was no single set of hands. It was everyone working together that won the day. I want to read you a few lines he wrote. He says, in life, we never know which order our sets of hands help an individual. It seems like we only did something small but you passed a child forward, you helped an individual take the next step, serve others, knowing that your role in the chain of human interaction is crucial in the destiny of others. You may be only one in 200 in that person's story, but your hands help bring about transformation as much as anyone else's. There's no such thing as making a small difference in someone's life. The person you greet, the young person you mentor, the friend you encourage, you are a part of a human chain on an assignment by God to help move others towards freedom in life. What a great example of what this text is talking about. Working together, serving together, helping someone else, building up the body, it says, as we build up one another in love. At the very end of what we read, this passage describes sort of ideal Christian growth and says that this happens across the whole body because it is joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building up itself in love. Let us be the people of God. Let us go forth as the people of God called United Methodist, joined and knit together equipped to do this Christian work within the body that God might work through us building up one another in love. May it be so. Amen. Thanks be to God.